because the other thing about it is the fact that none of the things they use to tease it are actually turtles, they're tortoises. Uh, well, so in America, people are fucking stupid. What? So there's a there's a big thing in America about people not understanding the comprehension between tur- turtle and a tortoise. Really? Mm-hmm. One of them has feet and one of them doesn't. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, well, yeah, but they're, they're tortoises. Mutants. Yeah, but they're, they're mutants. Yeah, but they were tortoises before. They, you're right, actually. No, to start with, they weren't tortoises, weren't they? Yeah, it's a whole thing in America. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Hello, and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Tom, and as one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Dom. Say hello, mate. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots, and we understand that sometimes life gets in the way, and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to discuss our thoughts on the highs and lows of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, before we find out if the new one is worth seeing. This week we're reviewing the newly released It, Chapter 2, directed by Andy Muschietti, Muschietti? Muschietti. Muschietti. And starring James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, and some other people. Yes, um, and featuring Bill Skarsgård, I think is probably fair to say. Yeah. There wasn't as much Pennywise as I was expecting. Uh, yeah, there was a bit more, a, I don't know, like they, they, they gave him more time. Do you reckon? Yeah, so like the, the, the periods of time that like he was talking or on screen as Pennywise doing a thing yeah. was more, mm. but the appearances were less. Yeah, I guess so. But also um, it was a lot longer. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, so before we get too far into uh, it, yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts coming straight out of it? Yeah. So um, before, for, so for the readers, this is essentially the sequel, obviously, and it's addressing the adults of the Losers Club going mm-hmm. back to Derry after the reemergence of it. Yeah, and how they're going to resolutionise things. Yeah, because they've got to go back. They got to go back to the island, Jack. We have to go back. We have to go back. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. But I didn't like it as much as the first. There are a few things that bothered me a bit, but at the same time, um, nothing really that bad. But it was good. Yeah. Just not as good as the first. I I'm pretty much on the same page to be honest. I like yeah. yeah, I liked it, didn't love it. Yeah. There was some stuff in it that I loved. Mm-hmm. Some of the performances and some of the casting and some of the there were certain bits and adaptations from the book mm-hmm. that they changed things up that I loved and I thought were great. But as a whole, I feel like it it only sort of works as a companion piece to the first one. Yeah. I think this would have worked a lot better if this was formatted in the same way that the book was. Yeah. Well, what you mean, the two parts together, you mean? I don't know. I because... think if if having that as an Amazon Prime, Netflix or something show, mm. like a 10-hour yeah. thing, um, would have been more effective than the way that we've got this. Yeah. I think it's it's just the jarring element of like one of the most jarring things in this is that they do flash back to the kids, yeah, between the, the adults, and it's like, well, you didn't do in the in the original, you didn't do that. You no. ju- it was just the kids, so why can't you focus just on the adults? And the answer is there isn't enough of the story on that half of the, and that's the same in the book. Yeah. There's a lot more pages if you were to do like total it up. There will be a lot more like pages and and sequences set in fifty eight than there were set in eighty. Three, four. 83 whatever yeah so the, the the kids section is a lot more fleshed out and a lot more elements of the story in it mm-hmm. and that constitute an entire film which we got with chapter one whereas chapter two the adults like they come home for like a day and then they go and fight the pennywise the clown the next day and that's it so they have to yeah. pad it out with all this extra stuff they go back and do these flashbacks and they do the flashbacks and they clearly they've got the kids back to film again and they've all aged significantly. And so what they do is they've de-aged them, like, digitally. And, like, I feel like with the Jack Grazer, they've, like, changed his voice to make it higher-pitched. Yeah. To try and get him back to how he was when he did the first it. And it's really, really weird. 
Yeah. And just jarring and wrong. And just like, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Having watched chapter one last week and having watched it many, many, many times. Yeah. It is, yeah, there is a fairly big shift. So they've done, like you say, they've done digital de-aging. And one thing I would say to their credit, there are scenes in this where they show, they do literal flashbacks to when they were younger and they use the older kids. Yeah. But they don't do much de-aging there. Yeah. They don't do a great deal of it in that because they're on their own. Yeah. But when they're in the group shots, yeah, there's one part that specifically I'm going to sort of lean into, which is the the clubhouse the scene. scene. Yeah, yeah, is really really strange. Yeah. particularly like Finn Wolfhard as well, because like we've just seen him in like um, Stranger Things, Stranger Things series three, and that like with that series because of the nature of it, they allow the kid like it's built into the story that the kids grow up between each series. Yeah, and so it's all like we've seen what he looks like now, and he yeah he's he's getting older and his face has changed shape. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like with yeah. this, they're like, no, we have to make him look like he did before. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, like we are saying, there's the scene where he's on his own in the park, for example. Yeah. And so that's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. But the scene when they're in the clubhouse and it's like panning around, he's like, oh, here's Ben. Yeah. Who's been digitally de-aged. I think so. Yeah. And then his Eddie who has, and Richie who has, and Beverly, who hasn't. Yeah, Beverly and, and Bill. And Mike, who hasn't. And Bill, who hasn't. Yeah. And Stan, who hasn't. And it's it makes it really, really yeah. stand out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that, but yeah. I'm... And it is a small section of it. Yeah. But at the same time, overall, it's really good. Oh, it is still really good. I I really want to watch, like, do back-to-back and go and watch one and then two yeah. straight away. Um, and I think it is, like, the definitive way of doing it but there are things i did like second half i think they could have made it could have been better yeah just a little bit just a couple of things i wish they'd just done different things and one of the things that did really bug me was just too much cgi yeah so much cgi like every time they have like they have a whole sequence in the middle where each one of them goes off and has their experience with the clown which is very similar to what happens in the first movie they all have their own encounters with something scary but in this, every single time, it always turns into some big CGI monster. Yeah. And it's like, why? It doesn't always have to be CG. It doesn't have to be over-the-top ridiculous stuff. It's like, the buddies, this, the prime example of it is like um, Bev with the old lady. Yeah. It's really creepy and really effective just purely on the performance of the actress playing the old lady. But then they have to end the scene with her turning into a fucking nine-foot-tall monster with three fucking mouths and shit see that was the thing like the first time that monster appeared yeah i was genuinely quite taken aback by it because it was so sudden yeah and i really enjoyed that one but it was like like without getting into spoilers because i don't think we should really probably do a spoiler on this to be honest um maybe we'll do a small one (laughs) um like the the like ben scene Mm was too much that was annoying that i was like again i was like i was getting into it and it's good performances from everybody yeah and it's that whole but by that point it was predictable yeah by that point it's like i know this is going to turn into a cgi monster again isn't it yeah because every single one has to turn into a cgi monster yeah and it's just like and even the one that really bugged me was the one with stan mm. stan and the um the crab head thing oh yeah that was really annoying because Again, they're taking some material from the book, which is Stan's head in a in a fridge, mm-hmm. and it's like, and he, you know, confront his friends are confronted by this, and that should be horrific enough on its own. Yeah, but they were like, "Nah, we've got to make it into a bit a CGI monster," and they got it's got to chase yeah. him around the room. We have to do it. Like, why? Why do you have to do it? It's like it's so frustrating. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like that bit, for example, served a purpose where Eddie was so afraid that he yeah, froze. they they've. But at the same yeah. time, they could have written that in in a different way. Yeah, it's just, I feel like it was just yeah, it's reductive. It's I don't know. I feel like there are two audiences for this film. Yeah, there's like the people who like the book and like the characters and like the relationships and all that sort of stuff, and then mm-hmm. there's people who are just going there to watch a horror films. He's some fucked up shit. Yeah, and they just want to see some fucked up shit. And there is a lot of fucked up shit. And there's a lot of fucked up shit in it. But they're lean. I feel like in this one particularly, they lent into that more than they did in the first one. Yeah. And they were just like, ah, oh, this would be cool. Just do that because it's cool. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But does it do anything? No, it's, just, it's cool though, isn't it? Yeah, and like, I think it's... it's... That's the thing. Like, I agree because 
like one seemed to rely on the performances of the kids. Mm. And I think part of what one of the reasons it was as good as it was is because you didn't expect performances like that or the way that they spoke or the way that they acted or did things mm. or the things that happened to them mm. to be in that way. You're used to seeing kids have PG problems, yeah. not adult problems. Yeah, that's Like true. when yeah. Eddie breaks his arm. Yeah. And then, but then in this one, it's adult facing adult problems. And then when they do flash back to the kids, it's a bit like, yeah, we've seen this. Yeah. We, we have seen this. Mm. And then they introduce this whole go and get the key sort of sequence. Yeah, but then... Fetch I, quest. I do quite like, actually, part of that because they, again, what they did with that is that is another good example of the adaptation because they did... They they all have to go off and, f- and have that, you know, and reconnect with their childhood kind yeah. of thing. And that is exactly, again, that is from the book. That's what Mike tells them to do. They have to all go out. But the difference with this is they have that whole thing of like having a totem, having a thing. Yeah. And then, but they then come together at, to do the ritual and then have to burn it. And I like that symbolism of the finding a piece of your childhood and then having to burn it. Yeah. And say goodbye to your childhood. Yeah. Because that, that is the point of the book. Yeah. That is the, exactly the spirit of the book. And they found a way to make it, it like a bit more tangible. Yeah. And something that people could grab onto yeah. and make sense of. Letting go of the past and moving on. Yeah. And they've gone, right, well, let's, let's adapt this whole ritual idea and let's do it so that they have to find something physical mm-hmm. that is a representative of their childhood. And like that is another one of those examples where I love the adaptation that they've done. Mm-hmm. But they've taken the point of the source material and they've just made it a little bit easier to grasp, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's great. And the same with like other bits like the um I remember turning to you in cinema when they did the um again about the ritual when Mike explained how he first came about finding it by yeah. going and speaking to the Native Americans and he yeah. sat in a tent and they did the smoke out. Yeah. And it's like Yeah, that's exactly okay. in the book, they all got in the clubhouse and they smoked it out and had a vision. In this, he goes, no, I found out about that by going to that. But they, it still served the same purpose. Yeah, and it they still... explained it in a realistic way yeah. and a grounded way that fit yeah. the story. Yeah, exactly. And it's, again, another one of those things where they've taken some of the source material and made it fit for their yeah. m- movie and their interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff I loved is just, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that that's part of the, the issue that I have, is that there are so many great bits of it. Yeah. But there are also so many bits where I was like, like I never turned away at any point. Oh, no, I was, I was totally never distracted. In. I was completely in. Yeah. And given how long this film is as well, mm. like this film is longer than the first by about 15 or 20 minutes. Mm. But at no point was I thinking, I'm done with this. Mm. Or, okay. Yeah. Because as much as I knew where it was going, mm. I also didn't. No, I was, because they I, changed it up enough. To... They, yeah, I'm the same here. I was like, I wonder if they're going to do the, like, are they going to do the thing? And we'll get to the thing. We'll talk yeah. about it after the credits. I think we'll talk about the um, the ending stuff. Um, but like, I, I didn't really know where they were going. And they, they did, like you said, they changed it up and they had, I liked some of the changes they made. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get into it without spoiling. But yeah, it, and like, and it kept me engaged the whole time. Like, so they say, it's a long film, but at no point was I bored. No. I was totally on board with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's not quite as good as the first one. It's not. No, I as much as I, yeah, like I love the first one, and the first one for me gets a five. Mm. This gets a three and a half. Yeah, three and a half, four. I think I don't. Know, I think on a second viewing, I'll probably watch. I'll probably enjoy it more. To be honest, yeah. I think part of the fact is like you're just you're wondering where it's going, and now I know how it's structured and what how it's how things play out. Yeah, like even yeah, even the some of the things they like say the ending is is interesting. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and also, I do I appreciated all the performances. I thought McAvoy did a great job. He yeah, always, McAvoy he, was. He always does. Yeah, but that's one of the things that I found with this was that he was McAvoying. Yeah, if you know what I mean. So and it's like yeah, that's fine. Like Jessica Chastain was Jessica Chastain. Yeah, the people that really stood out for me. Bill Hader was great, yeah, but was very Bill Hader, yeah. But the person that really smashed it for me was the guy that played Eddie, yeah. I was the guy called James Ranson, yeah. I'm glad you just looked him out. He was and, brilliant, yeah. And the it guy was, that plays Ben, Ben was great, uh, was was really good as well. 
And I was a little bit disappointed that Mike was a bit underserved again. Yeah, it's Like, shame. he had some stuff to do. Yeah. But he felt... I don't know. Like, he felt like they could have they could have given him a bit more time. Yeah. But, yeah, first of all, we've got to talk about Eddie. Eddie's great. I don't know who that guy... Like, say, that guy... Was, what was the actor's name? James Ransone. James Ranson. Ranson. Or Ransone. Yeah. Fucking great. I don't know where he came from. Like, I've no just idea. looked him up. He's been in a few bits and pieces. I think I remember seeing him in um, an HBO series called Generation Kill. Okay. Um, But he just, like, when I first saw the trailers and stuff, I was like... Is that Ed Helms? No. <laughs> he's just, I think he's going to be one of those guys. Like, everyone can, oh, Ed Helms. But he was fucking he was brilliant. brilliant. Perfect. Like, and I loved their relationship. The relationship between him and Richie. Yeah. It's great. And it, it per, that's one of the best things they nailed in this is that their relationship feels exactly a complete duplication of the relationship that the kids had. They had in the first one yeah richie and, and eddie and the, the way they they bickered at each other and tried to get one over him and they were like antagonistic but they loved each other really yeah and it was like they just f- clicked straight into that same chemistry that the child actors had yeah and had it here again and it and the fact that we we're able to see both of them happen in the same movie reminds you of how good it is yeah and th- that was like the, one of the strongest things about the whole film for me i fucking loved it it was excellent and like yeah the one of the one of the issues that I do have, and it's say not so much in the book, but in both the adaptations, is like Beverly's like quick turn back to Ben. Yeah, because in the book it's like she's always had a thing for Ben, and but she's always like had a thing for Bill. Yeah, but when she realizes that all this love that she had built up through these gestures from Ben, yeah, were misplaced in Bill. Yeah. And that when, and that she moved on from that when they were adults, because he was the person that was there and he was what she needed. Yeah. But then, um, but yeah, in this it was. I don't. I don't. Th- I think they did a really good job in explaining, in like seeding it slowly through the film. Yeah. Like it's always been a thing where I've been a bit like, mm, I'm not really sure if I'm convinced by this. Yeah. But then. They did quite a good job in a, in a two and a half, two and hours, forty minute film. Yeah, um, I like the yeah the way they're able to use the whole that how that everyone forgets everything well after they leave, yeah. they go away. They use that as a, they had a very specific part of that because I remember a kiss. I like, Do you ever remember Bill kissing me? Like, oh fuck! And that, that's the thing. And yeah, it's like and like it, you feel it when you when you see Ben's reaction. Yeah, as well. and he did. Yeah, like I say again, that guy. I don't know who he is, but he's great. Um, he used to be in Neighbours. Okay, he he looks like every Brazilian soccer player rolled into one. <laughs> uh, he's called Jay Ryan. Yeah, that guy. Fair enough. Um, I think yeah, those like him and but again, um, he's not. He's barely been in anything other like he's been in Neighbours. Yeah. And like that's really about it. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's it's more to do with the fact that it's him and um, Eddie. Yeah, are they're like the revelations in the same way that the kids were in the first one? Yeah, in the first one we Definitely. weren't expecting kids to be that good, and they were fucking no. brilliant. And in this, we like we expect McAvoy to be great. We expect Jessica Chastain mm-hmm. to be great. We knew Bill Hader was going to fucking kill it in as Richie, but like, like that's perfect casting, and they are all predictably awesome. I wouldn't say any of them are like phoning it in. They're all giving. The They're all effort. giving performance because I don't, yeah. I don't like McAvoy. I don't think he's ever phoned it in. Even in the, even in the X Men films, I think he still gives a lot of effort. Oh yeah, even like, in, he clearly loves his craft. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with Jessica Chastain and all the rest of them. Even if she was in you know some sort of weird crap blockbuster, she'd still give it one hundred and ten percent. Except it's for just, if it's Dark Phoenix. Oh no! Wait, yeah, she was in that, and she ruined it. That's <laughs> why so I, yeah, I literally thought that when they were they were together on screen, I wanted him to just like whisper in your ear, "You ruined my last ex." Do you know what you should have said? Bitch. Beverly can be like Bill, and he'd be like, "I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do we? What do we do, Bill? I did, 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 don't know what to do." Oh, that would have been fucking amazing. Why didn't you do that? Why won't anyone let him say that? Oh god, oh, I would love it if no. they just they get him back into the MCU. They go, you know what? We're going to keep him because he's great. He's going to be the MCU. But the first line from Charles Xavier I don't know what to do just make him read Richards nah nah of course not should be Andrew Scott whatever his name is or um just 
Don't stop casting every white actor as Reed Richards. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, and like, yeah, there was some. There are some great um, sort of horror scenes. I think one of my favourite ones is is the one with Pennywise under the bleachers and the little girl. That was good. That was great. That was because, really clever as well. Actually. Because what I liked about that was that there wasn't that one of the only ones where there wasn't really a lot of CGI. Yeah. It was just letting Bill Skarsgård be Pennywise and do his performance and yeah. he was fucking great and it just shows that you can do that you don't have to have these big monsters turn up every five yeah. minutes you can just have like if you've got the right actor I mean that like going back to the 1990 version everyone talks about how great Tim Curry was he wasn't augmented by CGI shit no. he didn't turn into a giant monster do you know what I mean he was just Tim Curry yeah um, so yeah, that's the thing like the strength of Skarsgård doing this stuff is really powerful. Yeah, like that, and then there's a, there's a scene where you see him transform into, yeah. but you see it practically, like he's putting on bits of makeup. Yeah, and then that then becomes augmented by CGI. But that is a really good use of it. Mm-hmm. Like it can be used really well, and like I love that even the scene with the fortune cookies. Yeah, that was done really well. I thought I really like yeah, that. Yeah, that then, was... but then it but then it got to a point where it went for broke, and they just went all out, and like, it went nuts. Yeah. And they like overdid it. It's like you slowly just dial it back, dial it a little back. Bit. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know why. That you... was why the first one was so effective. Yeah. And it was like that's part of the issue that I had with it is because mm. there are these things that happened, and it's like, but... yeah. Like get the the thing is, it's. I know it sounds like we're sort of picking it apart, but at the same time it's coming off of the back of something that was so... was yeah. the most successful horror film of all time. Yeah. And was so sort of universally praised for being as excellent as it was. And we both love it. Mm. And this has come in and just fallen a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. But the performances are great. The The direction's really good. It looks like, amazing. It looks brilliant. Yeah. It's shot really, really well. You see so much of Derry. There are so many... Like Easter eggs, like Andy Muschietti has a cameo yeah. as the guy in the background of the pharmacy. Stephen King has a cameo. Stephen King has a cameo. Yeah. Um, hmm. And it's just, it's really, really good. I do but wish. It just falls a yeah. little bit short. It's funny you say about they show a bit more of Derry. I do kind of wish they'd had, they'd given some opportunity to get into the history of Derry. Mm. I thought they were going to do that in this one, and they didn't yeah. really. That's think, one of the things. I think they could have swapped out some of the flashback scenes with the kids for that. They could have had like Mike telling them stories. Like, yeah. I've been here this whole time, and I feel like his like crazy murder wall where he's got like everything written up on the walls, yeah. and he starts telling Bill a story, and then it flashes back, and we see it. That's part. That's of what the I thing. would have liked. I've but... been thinking about it this week, and yeah, moving on slightly from in fact, yeah, moving on slightly from the film. I've been thinking about it this week, how much I would love like a 10 or 12 hour miniseries of, yeah. of it because each episode, as with the book, could start, each each so each episode in the series could start with a Derry story about it. Yeah. So in the way that the book starts, you start with the attack on Adrian. Yeah. yeah but yeah, you yeah. have that be like present and then episode two be like the bank robbery that went wrong. Mm. Episode three, be the bar scene. Episode four, like be them, the yeah, Each like, one of those. Co- like cold opens. Yeah, each Every one is a cold, cold open. open like that. Then you get the title, then you get back to the kids. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be sick. Oh, make it HBO. Make it, wait another 27 years. <laughs> and then they, because that's the other thing we never even mentioned. I love the fact that they made it 27 years. And then the first part of this came out in 20. 17 mm-hmm. 27 years after the original 1990 version yeah like yeah i didn't yeah we never mentioned that but i love that that's like a nice little meta touch that they put in yeah um yeah i mean i don't know what else to say but without getting too into the book really and talking about the differences and stuff which will require us to do some spoilers yeah so i think yeah all in all i really enjoyed it yeah, we it's do. a it's a worthy sequel. Yeah, definitely. And you, if you enjoyed the first one, then you should definitely go and see this one. Basically, I wouldn't say, "Oh, don't bother with it." You know, just yeah. just stick to the first one. It's like, no, this is the conclusion of the story, yeah. and, and this, it ramps yeah. it up well. Yeah, and it's like a satisfying ending. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of about it. Before we get into any sort of spoilery bits, yeah. Boiler alert! Boiler alert! 
don't tease the fucking cosmic turtle if you're not gonna do the cosmic turtle. Like, why won't they do it? I don't understand. Like, just fucking do it. We don't care anymore. We've we've seen Doctor Strange. We've seen we've seen some crazy shit. We've seen like like our minds are open. We've been living with fucking Christopher Nolan making movies for the last ten years. We can deal with the cosmic turtle. Show me the fucking cosmic turtle who threw up and then oh whoops, there's the universe. I love that idea, Stephen King. It's fucking nuts. I love it. Show me it on screen. <laughs> Show me James McAvoy flying through the fucking multiverse. Going like, I, that's what I was like when I was picturing it in the movie. I was like, it reminded me of that scene from Doctor Strange where she yeah. just throws him through the multiverse. Yeah, and it's like that, but like, pfft. but then that's not very Goodbye, cinematic. Moon Man. Yeah, but I don't know. If it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I guess it's not very cinematic just to see a guy floating around in the blackness having an internal battle with his own like it's not they no. have to find a way to make it cinematic no but also it's so for anyone that's unfamiliar the ritual of chud <laughs> in the book involves one per that so one person entering into a ritual going into this it's like an astral like plane, vision yeah. quest and then they enter into the astral plane where he has to have a battle of wills with it the creature from yeah. beyond and but what he has to do to do this, he has to bite onto the tongue of yeah. one another, and they have to fight through with this battle of wills. Yeah, but the, even that doesn't happen physically, though. He doesn't actually physically no. go up and, and bite the thing's like, tongue. That's like, like a metaphysical, yeah, sort of circumstance that happens within it, and that, and then they have this astral battle of wills. But when they explain it, like you say, you do, you are descri- seeing Bill described as being flung through this astral plane well, as and I was gets the... to see all of creation. Yeah. yeah, and then he goes past this giant turtle and the turtle talks to him like telepathically and the turtle is meant to be the other to it. It's like, it's the thing that birthed the universe yeah. by throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly there was the universe, but then there was all, there's also another other, which yes. is the thing that created the turtle. And then they then tie that into saying that these two opposing forces and the, the the good force, if you like, of the other, the white, yeah, the white come is in is the power that the children have yeah. as the seven of them that they can channel and. But again, that's so like I'm, as I'm listening to it or reading it, I'm like, how the fuck do you put that on film? You don't. It's like it, I'm I'm like this is cool and it's really fucked up and weird. But I don't understand. It's like, yeah, it's like unfilmable. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that I would say is that as much as, like, we talk about the Dark Tower stuff, the Dark Tower does a really good way of explaining a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So it starts saying about like what you might think of as like a coincidence, is actually this like divine intervention at work. Mm. So like you'll see like a rose for example but the rose in this world is where the tower is in another world yeah but in another world is where something else is and it's about how all these things do follow like a path yeah so it's similar to that it's like right so the turtles see the turtle of enormous girth appears in it and other stephen king works and the one beyond comes from that as well and like the macroverse features heavily in other things but it is like trying to get it all together it's just yeah it's crazy but they do a good job in this because they 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 shrink it right down yeah and they do have this whole thing about the dead lights yeah and they depict that quite well um and they have it and like yeah again they happen to have it be the point of it is that is the power of your own mind and how that can like mind over matter quite literally i don't know if i like the thing that finally happened when they shrunk Pennywise down to a little, mm. but then again, I don't know how else you do it. Like, that is a good visual representation of the battle of wills, I guess, yeah. but it just looked dumb. Like it just looked stupid when he was like a pancake on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he just ripped his heart out. It's yeah. like, it was just, it just, yeah, I know, I know what they're getting at and I get that it's such a fucking difficult thing to do and I can't think of a better way to do it. Mm. It's like, how do you defeat an abstract concept of fear? Yeah, it's yeah, but then again, like again with the whole abstract concept things, that like the one like the finding the pieces of their childhood and burning mm. it, that is a good example of where they did it. Yeah, but I don't know if they quite nailed it with the battle 
what's a bard on a house you do it I don't know it's fucking weird like they kind of did the giant spider yeah um, which visually was insane yeah not the most frightening bit but at the same time like I did find it um, some of it was scarier in places just like what I thought the, like scene... the, the the monster, the old lady monster, was one that really got like really sort of actually spooked yeah. me out a bit. I was like, I'm a bit uncomfortable with this. Like, this is quite yeah. because of the way that it was shot. Yeah. It was shot really low down, and she was like nine feet tall. Yeah, and just literally bolted straight out of the room, immediately caught up with her. Yeah, there wasn't really a chase scene to speak yeah. of, and that was quite frightening. But then everything that followed that was a little bit predictable. See, I my favorite ones, but yeah, it's. Pennywise and Bill Skarsgård being able to just Pennywise, and yeah. like I, I think the best one for me was the scene in the ha- in the um, Hall of Mirrors. God. Yeah, that was that was fucking brilliant because it, all it is is just it's a claustrophobic idea, and again, it's it's just using lighting and the idea of a Hall of Mirrors mm-hmm. and being trapped in there, not being able to get through to where you want to get to, and seeing this thing happen in front of you that you can't stop. Yeah, and there's no real CGI weirdness going on really Not it's just really. it's just a man banging his head against against a bit of glass but it's fucking terrifying and really tense and like yeah. and that to me was better than any of the other sequences that involved you know ended up being a big monster yeah um that was really good and like I've already mentioned the one under the bleachers yeah with the little girl that was great that felt like a sort of repeat that was that was very much a similar sort of like that was the Georgie moment it was Georgie. of this film. Yeah, it was the new Georgie. Yeah. Because it was the fact that it was made all the more frightening yeah. because he lured her in. Yeah. And then you and then there was a point when she was like, no, I'm going. Yeah. And she walked away. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank God. Go on. Good on you, girl. Like, stand, and then the he did. And then it's that moment where it makes it more real yeah. because it is someone with the presence of an adult convincing a child and that's why I like it like and I wanted more of it there were only a couple of little instances of it but that was one of them where it's mm. Pennywise getting in your head and playing mind games yeah so with the little girl like it's manip- like you say it's manipulating that adult yeah child relationship but then he tries to, he gets on a level by saying people laugh at my face yeah they say like, they laugh because of the way I look and this is a little girl with a birthmark yeah he's got port wine stain on her face yeah and she's like, are oh, people are the same about that? So he's manipulating her insecurity. Yeah. To get, and then he does the same thing later on. There's a point where all the losers are being attacked, essentially, in their, their sort of mind palace by mm. it. And he does it with Ben. Like, yeah. He's like, it doesn't matter, like, how many, like, press-ups you do or how how successful you are. You're still the scared little fat boy. Yeah. Inside, that's what you are. And again, it's poking at yeah. someone's insecurity. It's the manipulation look. of, it's the fear. Yeah that you hold within yourself that might not be... Yeah. It's a more mature fear. Exactly. It's the, his way of digging in and getting into that. And that's what's interesting about the character of Pennywise yeah. and that's what makes him tick. And I don't... Those two points that I just mentioned there, I think are two of the only times I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. And there isn't enough of it. There needs to be more of it. Although, yeah, I do think... Build, they did a really good job with, though. I will say that, actually. Now I'll say it. I like yeah. the whole thing with the Bill's, Bill's guilt over Georgie. Yeah, and like how much it fucking eats him up, and then they had this whole thing where he has to admit that, you know, I could have gone out with him that day, but I just didn't want to. Yeah, and that's like, and forgiving himself for that, and that that's like, and the idea of it being like this is all about like personal growth is yeah. what this book and this yeah. series is meant to be all about, and every now and then they remember that and they show you some stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like they do get it, they clearly get it. It's yeah, just like... and that's the thing is. I think they it was a bit of sequelitis. Yeah. It was like they get it, but then they, it's, yeah, it, it's a victim of his own success because now it's like there's a certain section of the of the fan base who are just going there to see some fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, and it means that the other stuff has to take a back seat to that a lot of the time, mm-hmm. which is a shame. But, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about um, the revelation of Richie? Yeah, I don't know about that. That was weird, wouldn't it? It was a little bit weird. I don't know why they felt the need to do that. It's nice to have a bit of representation, but at I the get, same time, yeah. like, it was a bit... It's, I tell it you was what's... interesting because there was the point earlier and he was like, shall we play truth or dare? I know your secret, Richie. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what is Richie's secret? And you're like, oh, he's gay. Yeah. And he's in love with Eddie. 
Yeah. And he always has been. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's... that's we do live in a very tolerant world. Yeah, and it's also, you, you, you purposely shifted it so that now it's, the idea of that, it started in 89, but now it's presumably like 2015, 2016. Mm. So if he was a stand-up comedian who happened to be gay, I don't think that would be an issue. Yeah, like, I mean, they, they they do start the film off with, yeah, a, with a homophobic I think, hate I think hate that's crime. what it is. I think they're trying to link one of our characters, one of our principal characters, to the thing we saw at the very beginning yeah. and have, it bit, have that have more weight, I guess. So I get yeah. what they're doing. And it does add a new dimension to it. There's nothing wrong with with that as a as something and as an addition. I just wish that I don't know. It feels like they they picked an issue and decided that, that would be their issue. Yeah. Because the thing that I still can't quite get my head around with this, and it, you know, it's a bit of a weird thing. They completely cut out any of the racial tension stuff between Mike, yeah, and the townsfolk. And they never mentioned it. They never like they. There's one like brief allusion to the idea that the house fire might have been set by somebody else in the first one. Yeah, Bowers made some comment about that, but Bowers comes after it because that's a whole thing in the book. Is that the reason Bowers hates him is because of race. Yeah, they hate that family, but and his dad is a, is a racist, and there is a and then that then goes back into some of the history of Derry. Yeah, and it is like it's an addressed thing, but for whatever reason they just decided that. We're not going to do that issue in these adaptations. We're going to completely omit that, mm-hmm. but we're going to Could push it up. introduce this story. We're going to push. Well, the well, the homophobia thing was there as well because, like I said, the, the Adrian Mellon thing mm. that was in the book, but they decided to give that more and chain and add things to the source material in order to make that a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. It's like why? Why is that the issue? Why have you decided to pick up? Like it's, it's strange yeah. that you decide to pick an pick an issue and then add an issue rather than addressing the ones that were already there. And mm-hmm. it's not like racism doesn't matter anymore. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like we've moved past it. Like, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, you know, it, it's good to have that representation there. It's really important. And it was interesting to see that sort of struggle. Yeah, like, and it gives Bill... As, uh, like having an adult, yeah. somebody that has you know, is obviously struggled with their sexuality up until the point that he's 40. Yeah. And still keeps it a secret. Yeah. Is, is an interesting thing because you don't often see that in film. No. And, and Bill Hader does a really good job. It gives him more meaty material to do as well. And he does a good job of it. And Um, it does explain. And then there's the point when, um, he's playing street fighter in the arcade. Yeah. With the other kid that turns out to be Henry's cousin. Yeah. And he turns around and he's like, Oh, you didn't tell me he was, and then starts laying out a bunch of slurs, yeah. like homophobic slurs. And you're like, right, this all ha- adds more depth. Yeah. But why, like I said, why are we, for lack of a better term, whitewashing the racial issue that was in the book and existed throughout the whole thing? Yeah. In favour of this. In favour of this instead. Yeah. Like, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how it fits. No. Like, it's good to have, good to ha- like I said, it's good to have that sort of representation in it. I think it's really, really important. Mm. But at the same time, you're like, well, you're ignoring a big issue as well. Like, I mean, yeah, like I say, I, I'm not saying, and we, I've always maintained this throughout the whole, um, you know, everything we've said over the course of these three episodes. I'm not saying they should be slavishly do everything that's in the book. No. 100% not, given one of the scenes that comes up in the book, which I know you, makes you very uncomfortable. Um, we, won't, we won't talk about that, but there's, there's no. one like infamous scene um, in the book that they wisely get rid of in both in all versions of it and it's like okay i understand that but i don't understand the logic behind getting rid of that race element no and then and then yeah other weird things they add like bev's mum yeah that was and the fucking perfume scene that was creepy as shit that was really creepy that was really like tense but again it made a good scene it did make it was it's again it's another weird diversion and there are some cool things they do though i love the fact that um the woman who plays eddie's wife is the same woman who played his mum that's fucking brilliant <laughs> that's so clever because it's just for the sake of like one tiny little scene but it's just like it is yeah, brilliant <laughs> and it and it like, again like some of the changes they make that they make a change from eddie is in a limo driver now he's a risk in a risk analyst, which makes more sense. Yeah. Although he was driving a limo though, wasn't he? Was he no, driving he was like just a big... driving an Escalade. Okay. Um, 
yeah, and it's like so he's that. And but one thing I one thing that I really really enjoy about the book, and it is a fairly small detail, is about um, the how successful they all are because yeah. they because they're out of Derry, and it's the the implied influence is that it is doing that. Mm. So yeah. it is allowing them by them being as far far away from Derry as they are, it's making them they are more successful because of far away they are. So they're less yeah. inclined to come back. And Mike is Mike is poor. He's in bad health. He's balding. He's 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 overweight. He's got an alcohol problem, and like yeah. he's got all of these issues that. Like he looks far, far older than he really. He, like they describe him as looking in his like mid to late fifties when he's actually in his forties. Yeah, and it's like so he's being penalised for staying, and whilst he can't be attacked directly because the influence that it has by them being further away, like Ben's in great shape and is so much better now he's left Derry and everyone's really successful and Bill doesn't have his stutter. But they didn't really address that. No, they didn't. Like again, I wish they'd spend more time on that whole element of it because yeah, there are some interesting things like the influence of it mm-hmm. and how that stretches out, and like the other weird things. Like they've all become very successful, but none of them have had kids. Yeah, that's a weird like little wrinkle in the book that only gets a little bit of a mention, but it's interesting. Yeah, and it does make you go, "What the fuck's going on here?" Like the the idea of this like otherworldly like pulling the strings yeah getting them all to come back in get inside their heads they didn't really get into that in this no it was just Mike Hanlon called everybody and I, that was a cool fair, sequence it was it was a good sequence like you say and they caught up with everybody and everyone had like this visceral reaction to it yeah um but they all had that immediate draw like again like in the books yeah their first thing is that I need to go back yeah I have to go back now, one last thing I think we need to talk about. I don't know how I feel about the things they changed with the ending. How do you mean? So the the biggest change is the fact that in the in the book the way the book ended, there's this really like bittersweet melancholy thing where they all forget each other again. Yeah, and there's this, there are some amazing. There's a couple of amazing scenes in the book that I thought were great. But like, there's one where it's Mike calling them up after the fact. Yeah. And he's talking to like Bill, and he, then he talks to Richie, and they can't even remember Eddie's surname. Yeah, and they're already starting to forget, even to the point where the names in Mike's address book are starting to fade away. And then it's meant to be this whole thing about you do your childhood is something you do lose. You don't remember it forever. You don't no. remember the people you used to hang out with, and that's the point of the book. In the film, they change it and go, "Hey, how come you think now we remember everything? Yeah, maybe it's because we defeated it." Maybe it's, like, it's maybe it's because we won. Oh, no, you that really I don't like that. That's the exact, that's not what it's meant to be. No, and that kind of, that does bug me. That one. I, I, most of the time, I'm completely on board with them changing the source material, but that one was like, and they've got this whole fucking hanging a lampshade on it throughout the whole fucking film as well, where it's on about Bill Denbra not being able to write an ending. Uh, and they basically have this whole thing about, oh no, I liked your book. The ending sucked though, which is the thing that gets leveled at Stephen King a lot. Yeah, like people hate Stephen. Like Stephen King's endings are rubbish, and everyone and like is a well-known thing. Mm-hmm. So then, whilst having a discussion about maybe this time you'll learn how to end a book, they're saying it whilst they're midway through a scene that's changing the ending to one of Stephen King's books. It's yeah. like it's so mad. But like, don't don't forget, like, without spoiling, like I've read a lot of Stephen King things. The Shining, great ending. The Stand, terrible ending. Well. Part of it is a terrible ending. Um, it, great ending. The Dark Tower, honestly, great ending. Okay. Um, like, but there are stuff, there are things that happen in there that are just fucking silly. Yeah. Like, he literally tells a character. <laughs> okay, so it's trying to describe it in a way that doesn't spoil it. So, a character in the Dark Tower gets told what deus ex machina is and at that point he encounters a deus ex machina he's fully aware of it and knows that's what it is and it just happens and he's like oh this is convenient 
It's like when so-and-so told me about the Deus Ex Machina earlier. In fact, I think it is one because I've willed it into existence. And you're like, that's fucking silly. Yeah. And that's not in the last book. That's in like the sixth book or something. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, they really laboured that point yeah. too much. And they just, yeah, and that did bug me. And it's just like, and again, and there are other things that I was expecting and I wanted to see that they didn't do. And I am fucking astonished, given that like, everything I've said about how much they overuse CGI, I am astonished that they didn't do the destruction of Derry. Yeah. Because that is this fucking... Like, I remember hearing it, so I was listening to the audiobook, and what's meant to happen is when they kill it, the town of Derry literally rips itself apart. Yeah. Like, there's a fucking giant, like, get holes... Storm of the century. Storm of the century, like, and downtown Derry just, like, disappears into a hole... And, there's, and the fucking standpipe gets launched into the air. Yeah. And like, and like 60 odd people die. The, the, the barons ball, get washed away yeah, completely. The, the, the mall gets blown up. Yeah. It's just like this freak storm because the idea is that the entire town has been built on this thing that yeah. has been there forever. And when it's gone, the town must go as well. Yeah. Um, and I was like, given how much you guys love using CGI and showing us spectacle, why the fuck would you not want to do that? I don't understand why they didn't yeah. do that. That's just bizarre to me. I don't get that at all. Because like the final shot of the movie is um, Mike driving up the fucking street and there's downtown Derry and it's fine. I'm like, I want to blow that motherfucker up. That's the, <laughs> that was the point. You were meant to blow it up. It's an evil place. Derry is it. And they don't fucking do that. And that's a shame. I wish they had done that. Yeah, yeah it is a bit. Yeah, it is a bit disappointing. Like the the way that it's done in the book is really powerful. As yeah, well. I love that bit because <laughs> it's for for the readers. It's they explain these people's like daily routines. Yeah, and they're they... like this guy's sixty eight years old and he's got arthritis and he gets up every day to do this and he really misses his wife who passed away a few years ago from so and so. But you know he gets up every day and blah blah blah. Oh yeah, and he gets killed in this flood. Yeah, Perfectly it's, normal man. It's like, it's like the doctor who goes, no matter whether it's rain or shine, I always go out for my run. At 6am every at 6 day. At 6am. And then he made some comment about, look, I bet the rain never killed anyone. He walked out and died. Yeah, he gets, like, hit, with, he gets hit with a drain cover or something, yeah. doesn't he? Although, yeah, it gets decapitated. And like, there's one woman who unfortunately happens to be sitting on the toilet when every single toilet in Derry reverses. Yeah. It just explodes with shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't believe they didn't do that. No, like I got, that's so cinematic. It so it lends itself to being done on film. Why would you not want to blow up a town? Like, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> and and referring to sort of Stephen King's other stuff as well, one of the strength of his writing is is doing these like ancillary things as well. Yeah. So that is a really really powerful bit because it takes away from all of the protagonists and antagonists that we've spoken about before, or even seen. These mm. are all new people that this happens to. Does a th- similar thing in the stand, hmm. which is a whole section called well, not called that I've that is dubbed no great loss hmm. because, and it's all about like the stand is about the uh, this like super flu that takes over, and like ninety nine point six percent of the population die. But it's saying about some of these other survivors, and they're like, oh, there's this woman who was brought up to think that um, by her mother who hated all men so she hated all men she would read this these books about like like rabid feminist anti-men books Mm. and that she she survived and she was doing okay like she had plenty of food and she knew when to go to the shops and she did this this and this and then one day she saw a guy out on the street who was a hippie wearing a t-shirt that was something had like an inappropriate phrase on it she pulled a gun on him the gun blew up and she died no great loss (laughs) and then yeah it's like, oh, there's this five-year-old boy whose whole family, he doesn't understand. And he was really upset one day because he was hungry, but he was going through and eating all these blackberries as he was walking through the field. And then his tummy started to really hurt. What he didn't realise was when the, the wood collapsed on the well that he was walking over in the middle of the field. It took him four days to die. No great loss. And then it's like all of these things, and you're like, Jesus, this makes it so much more real. Yeah. And that's the thing that they missed from this. Yeah. And I get, and that's it. Made like, this so much smaller. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen. It's like yeah, the the little incidental characters in Derry. Yeah, like they do. The only one that they really bring back is the um, pharmacist, Mister Keane. Yeah, 
he turns up again. And they're like, but more of that would have been good to make it feel mm. like a real town. Like, yeah. like the, the Irish cop, which gets completely omitted from this version. Yeah. But was in the um, TV version. But he's the one who then has, like, during the storm of Derry, he has a stroke. Yeah. He's just like, and his wife just goes, yeah, I knew he was going to go one day. Yeah. And then like, she calls, tries to call the Reverend, but can't. And then yeah. just has to do the last rites herself. But it's just because he's just shocked by what's happening. But it's like, oh, that was, and it's literally, he's never mentioned otherwise. It's just, oh, and that was the the cop who told them all off for flooding out the barrens yeah. 27 years ago. But also encouraged them to stay together as a group. Yeah. Saying, listen, no matter what you do, stay with and your friends said, every he, day. Somewhere. He was a good husband. He couldn't help the drinking. It was just the Irish in him. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, again, all these little <laughs> things. And yeah, uh, this is one of the reasons why I was thinking about it this week. I was like, it would be an amazing HBO miniseries. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. Like 12 hours. Like the stand is hopefully going to be. Yeah, it should be like, you know, the way they do things about, you know, I'm trying to think of like, you remember um, season one of Preacher, Mm -hmm. where it was all about that town? Yeah. And you got to know everyone in that town and then they just blew it up. Yeah. (laughs) Which I loved. Um, But like, imagine that, but it's Derry. And so the idea is that you do start to know everybody Mm -hmm. as the the series goes on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up, really. Do you want to close it off? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for... Um, sorry, that's a bit of an abrupt ending there. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah I, mean... I mean... Yeah, look, we um, at this point, we're past the... Um, we're past the point of spoilers. Um, so hopefully you've either read the book or seen <laughs> yeah. both the movies or whatever, so you know what we're talking about. Um, but this has been a really interesting one to do. Um, and I've had... You know, I've been living and breathing it for the last few weeks because <laughs> I've been reading the book whilst watching the movies and reviewing them on the podcast so i'm you know it's it feels like a the end of a very small era um, <laughs> but no it's been good um and yeah i'm looking forward to the next stephen king thing we do which is probably going to be dot sleep which there was a new trailer for uh we saw tonight which was interesting um but in the meantime we've got a couple of other things coming up which will be completely different i think the next thing we're going to do is rambo yeah we are. which is going to be interesting because i've never seen a rambo movie in my life um, so I'm going to remedy that hopefully over the next couple of days um, and then we're going to go back to you and we'll do an episode about Rambo because Rambo Last Blood is coming to cinemas <laughs> and we're very much looking forward to that right. um, so join us for that in the meantime if you want to get in touch we're on the Oncast pod pretty much everywhere we're on uh, Instagram we're on Facebook we're on Twitter we're on everywhere if you could give us a review that'd be really appreciated yep uh, that's really important when you sort of start in the first year of a podcast like we are at the moment um, and that's it really yeah that's about it yeah yeah. thanks for listening guys thanks for listening see you and, next week um, stay away from clowns just stay away from that drain okay just whatever you do just stay away from that drain I don't hear them in the drains I hear them in the bathtub Ooh. oh yeah also there's no post credit thing no there isn't There's in a half shell. Ritual of Chud. Ritual of Chud. Ritual of Chud. It's the Chud. Not bad, kid. Not bad. Not bad.